Welcome, everyone. Good to be back with you today. Excited to share with you what God has put on my heart for you. We've been talking about for several weeks now how to be a difference maker during difficult times. How can I be a difference maker during difficult times? I'm not talking about the difference maker that causes the problems and causes all the issues. I'm talking about a difference maker who makes a positive difference in someone else's life. I mean, that's really what healing is all about. Healing is about making a contribution to someone. We, we pray for them. We counsel. We love. We serve. We give to them. Whatever it takes to give them their confidence, to give them trust in God, and hopefully bring them to God if they aren't a Christ follower already. As I get into today, I asked you a very difficult question last week. Basically, how could a loving God let this mess happen? How could a loving God let the economy basically close down in one day? The churches close down, the bars, the restaurants, the stores, the governments in many nations. How could a loving God truly allow that to happen? And I began to answer that question. I'm going to pick back up there in just a moment with you. But first, I got to tell you a little story. A little story about a college student back in the mid to late 60s named Larry Mullaney. And uh, his college professor would tell this story after Larry had graduated for many years up until he retired. And Larry, when he first came as his freshman year, he was from Rhode Island. It was another state, another city as well, and he, uh, he was kind of an unusual student. He, he had hair growing every which way through his beard. It wasn't really a beard. It was growing all different ways. He had acne. He was overweight. He had wild, crazy hair he couldn't do anything with, and on top of that, he dressed like what we would call at that time a hippie, you know, the floppy sandals and bell-bottom pants with holes, just very sloppy, and he was so disappointed with himself, with all the ridicule he'd taken and teasing he'd taken growing up, he'd basically just given up. And the professor had said that he was so angry and frustrated that when he would try to get ready in the morning in the mirror, he would just curse it and spit in the mirror and leave and go to class. Needless to say, Larry wasn't invited to any of the fraternities, or neither did he have any dates his freshman year. And... Needless to say, he was doing terribly with his academics. But something happened when he went home for Christmas break. When he got on a bus and went all the way back to Rhode Island, his uh, Irish Kurt father, who always, when he wasn't working in the factory, wore a suit, usually a dark pinstripe suit. Even in the summer, when he was not working, especially on the weekends, and he picked up Larry, brought him home, and said, get ready for dinner. Well, when Larry comes down to dinner, there his dad sits in his pinstripe suit, dressed to the tees in the heat in the summer, and uh, his mother was there. And then there was Larry, you know, the sandals and bell bottoms, hair going every direction on his face, not taking care of his acne, not taking care of his hair, overweight and sloppy. And he and his father just continually had these arguments like they always had, and it had been a rough few days. And then Larry told his dad the next day, a few days later, he said, Dad, I need to get back. I, my break is coming to an end. i got to prepare. So his dad said, well, in the morning, I'll drive you back to the bus. And as his father was driving him back to the bus, it was total silence. Nothing was being said. When I came to the bus stop where the, Larry would get his ticket and get on the bus, as they got out, his father was walking toward the bus with him to say goodbye and all of a sudden, about six men his father worked with in the factory began to yell and laugh and make fun of Larry. They said things like, man, that kid is a sloppy, fat pig. Oink, oink. They just started oinking and just going crazy and just teasing and making fun. So if that's my kid, he's so ugly, he's so stupid, and the way he looks, I wouldn't even let him out of the basement. I wouldn't want anyone to know he's my kid. And about that time, the professor said, Larry's father did something he'd never done in Larry's entire 19 years of being on this planet. He looked him dead in the eye, and he grabs him, 
by his cheeks and pulls him to him and says, Larry, your mother and I could never, ever be more proud of you if we even lived 200 years to be 200 years old. We could never be more proud of you. You are our son. You are amazing, and we love you forever. And gave him a big kiss on the lips and hugged him. Larry was like, man, he told the professor, I was taken back. I, I choked up, tried not to cry, got my ticket. I got on the bus. He said, that's the first time my father ever affirmed me and didn't want to argue with me or try to correct me. The professor said something unusual happened that second semester, and then it continued on, said that Larry was still floppy and didn't take care of himself that well, but he did start dating a girl. He did bring his grades up and became very popular and actually was invited to be in a fraternity. And then by the time he graduated, he was the first student in the history of the college to ever graduate with a cumulative 4.2 GPA. And not only that, he became a very successful man, and then he became a priest and traveled around the world as a missionary for over 20 years. He was a well-thought-of man, a successful man. So what happened to Larry? What, what made a difference in him? I think if we talk about that for a few moments and you think about that story, and I know we live in an absentee father world, that most people don't have the correct image of fathers. Like you know with me, my dad passed away when I was three months old. I had a stepfather for a few years. He was killed in a mining explosion. So I never really understood the role of a father until I became a father and then became a spiritual father as well. And one of the things I see, even with kids that have fathers, it seems as though there's a distorted relationship many times or an uneven relationship. And then so many don't even know their fathers or their fathers have left or they're in another marriage raising other children. So it's difficult for us during difficult times to trust a loving father because it's difficult for us to understand what a loving father truly is. Whenever we begin to realize, if we're going to really ask the question, one question, we've got to be fair and ask another question. First question is, how can a loving God allow this to happen? How could he allow COVID-19? How could he allow us to be sick or lose a family member, lose a loved one? How, how could a loving God allow us to, you know, not have an income, to be short or have no groceries or, you know, potentially lose our home or a car or whatever it might be or maybe even our job. It won't be there when we get back and we're sitting there in fear. How could a loving God do this? Well, I think the key is you got to ask the other question for yourself do I know what a loving father is? How could a loving heavenly father allow COVID-19 and all the stuff attached to it happen? But then on my end, do I know what a loving father's love truly is? And I think that's an important question. When we talk about faith, faith is knowing and trusting God. And it's about hope. It's about trust. It's about relationship. And when we talk about faith, so many times it's in our head but not in our heart. And it's more faith in what God can do or has done or will do. It's more about his attributes than it is his person. 1 John 4 says this, verse 10 and then verse 19 says, This is love, not that we love God but that he loved us. And remember I told you last week, that's a scripture that turned my life around even after 20 years of ministry, to realize that it's not my duty, my job to love God. It's just simply my duty to accept the Father's love. You see, a lot of times we don't understand the Father's love, his correction, his encouragement. It's, a, it's almost like we're just trying to trust some giver or doer instead of daddy. As we talked about, the word for, pop, uh, for Abba is Papa, where we get our word Daddy from, Dada. And he's really our Papa. He's really our Dada. He's really 
our daddy. He's not just Lord and Savior. That's amazing. King of kings and every name that is named and every knee that is need will bow to him. That's awesome. But guys, it's a step beyond that. He is Papa. He's daddy. He's a loving father that loves us just as we are. He's a loving father that loves us first. You see, when we grasp that, it, we try to grasp it. It took me a number of years, and I'm still working on it, but the, the moment I began to dive into it, I saw a change in my life. Depression began to leave, fear, anxiety, worry. I, I saw it begin to leave. Why? Because it took the pressure off of me to love him because I thought my love for him was like what my love would be to get a, a, an employer that might be a male or a coach that, you know, that was one of my coaches in elementary or high school or whatever, that, you know, if I pleased them, if I did good, if I won for them, if I was the best I could be for them, they would accept me. You see, what happened to Larry was his father finally showed him unconditional affirmation. In other words, unconditional love. Love with no conditions. And when we talk about that, it says, this is not, it, this is love. This is what love is. Not that we love God. So it, love, agape love and filio love, we can get into all that. But let's just get very simple here. Love in its simple form is just to be accepted as you are and to accept someone else as they are with no conditions. And God loves us and always has and always will, unconditionally. That's what love is. It's, this is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and what? Sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 19, here's my scripture. We love. So I don't understand love until I accept his love. And the only way I can make a difference in difficult times in people's lives who are who need affirmation, who need healing, who need a hand up, who maybe need deliverance or salvation, whatever it is, a pat on the back, encouragement. I can never do that until I understand the Father's love toward me. And then look, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. I'm not able to truly love until I accept his love. Remember, Jesus said, what do you guys know in Matthew's gospel when he's talking about prayer and receiving from God. He said, would you ask your, you guys, if you're, any of you fathers that are evil, if your son asked you a gift, you would give it to him freely. So do you think your heavenly father is any different? He's way better than you or anyone on this planet. He's the first and only and best father. He would give you, would he give you a serpent or a stone? No. He's going to give you his best. And then James says this in chapter 1 at the end of it, says that only good and perfect gifts, says good and perfect gifts only come down from above, from the Father. So if we want to truly love others, we must understand what love is. And love is simply this, accepting love, accepting affirmation, trusting. You know, wrestling with the whole Father thing really was something I wrestled with, not just in, before I came to Christ, but after I came to Christ. And then later in years, uh, you know, a couple of spiritual father giants passed away. Dr. Lester Summerall and R.W. Schambach were two of my spiritual fathers, grandfathers, passed away. And I, felt my, I found myself for seven or eight years kind of wandering around. And, uh, and I kept wrestling with God. I need a spiritual father. i got some mentors, I got some people that love me, I got some people that encourage me, but I, I need daddy. I need someone that, man, I know they're going to love me unconditionally like my mother loved me. Remember I told you about that last week? I could knock on her, not knock on her door. When I got to her front door and went in, I knew I had absolute grace because I was her boy. And once she passed away, I was like, who's ever going to call me son? Who's ever going to truly have unconditional love that they'll love me even if I blow up my life, they'll love me anyway? And during that time, you know, having two amazing young children, young sons, I, 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 I feel like I'm a very good father and I try my best. We have a great relationship now. They're 19 and 22 and 
Parker's graduating from UK in finance this semester. He's our youth pastor. Pierce uh, did great in school. He's a fre- ending his freshman year at UK, and we have an awesome relationship. And I'm like, it's so, such a blessing. And even during this time, we had a great relationship. They were like maybe 10 and 7 at the time all this was going on. And then I really got up. I got more and more angry with God, not just that I didn't feel like he was meeting my needs, not that I just didn't feel like he was, you know, protecting me and, and, and bringing the finances we need because remember I told you last week how the economy a few years earlier had collapsed and all that stuff going on and we'd moved into this facility, blah, blah, blah. It, it wasn't just those things. I'm like, God, I need a father. What I was saying is I need someone to fill the gap because you're not meeting my needs. Man, that's tough to admit now. That was over 10 years ago. That's probably 11 or 12 years ago. It's, father, it's, it's, it's tough. What happened was I was looking for an intermediary gap between me and God that I could touch, that I could call, that I could feel, that I could hear, that I could do some things for and see them do things for me in kind or in return. And then after I wrestled with God for a number of years, I wrote one book that I was going to write other books about it. And all of a sudden, I was in here praying, I think in a sanctuary. I think that's where initially the download happened. And I was kind of complaining to God in a religious way, you know, just, oh, Lord, you know, we're crying out, begging and pleading. We're really complaining. And uh, as I was, I was really on this issue of the Father, just feeling like I had an absentee Father. Like, I need to know, how can I be a spiritual father if I don't have a spiritual father? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just came up in my, my spirit and said, what you must do, you must become now what you desire to possess. You must become what you de- you desire to possess or to have. In other words, you need to become the kind of spiritual father for people in the church, the same kind of spiritual father that you don't have, but you desire to have. I remember praying when my boys were young, you're going to help me, God, be a father. I don't know. I'm trying. I think I'm doing okay, and I got my confidence in it. Now I have great confidence in being a spiritual father. I have spiritual children and grandchildren. Why is that? Because I'm comfortable. I, I'm not stressed out about God's affirmation. I'm not stressed out about his love. And I'm not stressed out about, man, am I going to make it? I know I'll make it some way, somehow. And, you know, if I go to heaven early, that's not second best. I can't lose. The Bible says neither death or hell or the grave, any of that can defeat me. Victory is mine. And victory is yours. And if you want to be a difference maker during difficult times, you've got to realize, guys, that victory is yours. And that means you can't walk around in condemnation. That means that you've got to move into the spirit of a son, a daughter. Galatians 4, 6, and 7 says this, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba. Daddy, Papa, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Wow, think about that. We are heirs to God, heirs to Christ. We have Christ's spirit, the spirit of a son, the spirit of a daughter, living inside us right now. So we, if we want to truly... Answer the first question, how could a loving God allow COVID-19 and all the things surrounding it happen? We must ask it through the proper perception of what a true Heavenly Father is and how He loves us and how He's there for us. Think about it this way. Could you do this? I couldn't. John 3, 16. I know it seems like all we hear it all the time in 17. For God so loved the world, what? That he gave his, what, only son? Man, I couldn't do that. I I could give my life maybe, but I couldn't give my son. That whoever believes in him, no standard, no conditions, no works, whoever could believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. You see, 
The greatest honor that you and I can ever give the Heavenly Father is to trust Him. Because the simplest form for faith or definition for faith is trust. And when I trust, that means everything. I trust Him that He loves me. I trust Him that He would do what needs to be done. I trust Him He'll make a way. I trust Him that even during terrible times, if you're sitting on the front row of a funeral or if you're doing a drive-by funeral, wherever you're at in your life, if you'll stop the blame game, quieten yourself down, repent for judging him and accept his love, it will change everything. Well, why don't I have the career I thought I'd have? Why don't I make the kind of income? Why can't I provide for my family? You know, Lord, why am, do I have this illness or this disease that I can't perform and do what I need for those I love? Whatever it is, why do I feel so spiritually distant from you? All those questions are answered, guys, by one word. One word. T-R-U-S-T. Trust. And when we begin to realize that, all of a sudden now, things begin to transform in our lives. The key is, do we trust? Now, remember, I told you a few weeks ago, the tool I use is STP. Stop think, pray. So whenever I'm going through a time and I feel angry or upset or frustrated at God or frustrated that my needs are not met, whatever it is, and I know it's not part of, God, part of God's character and it's not part of the spirit of his son in me, it's something else, I have to stop. Because remember, where your focus goes, your energy flows. If, if, if I'm flowing on something that upsets me, man, I'm going to be upset. If I'm uh, focus on something that upsets me, I'll be upset. If I'm focused on something that I'm grateful for, I'm going to be grateful. If I'm focused on something funny that's funny to me, I'm going to be laughing. It's going to be humorous. I'm going to be having fun. So what we got to realize is wherever we focus, where we put our attention to, <clears throat> that's where our energy flows. And that's why it's so critical to understand. So when I stop, what am I doing? I'm stopping the blame game. I'm taking my power back the power of the Spirit of the Son of God living in me, doing for me what I cannot do for myself. I stop focusing on what's broken or missing. I stop thinking about what if this don't work out? What if I can't make this happen? And then I began to think on what God says about me. I stopped thinking about my performance and my goodness or my not-so-goodness or my love or my coldness, whatever it is, I put everything back on the Father and I began to reflect and think and meditate and be grateful for Him and what He's already. I could have been in hell already, but I'm going to reap heaven. And not only me, but my children and my children's children will as well. Why is this, guys? It's so important that during these times that we learn what trust is. Unwavering trust is a precious commodity. It's something that Demands courage. You know, remember I shared last week with you about the gentleman who came to spend three months from the States, a famous guy. He came to spend three months in the States toward the end of Mother Teresa's life in Calcutta, and they were in one of the death houses. They called them like a death house where people were terminally ill. And, you know, an Indian where she was was in a impoverished place. She took the vow of poverty. And, uh, when she was talking to him, he said, yes, Mother Teresa, I came here for three months just to, to hear God and to, to serve. And she said, well, that's wonderful, my son. What, what can I do for you? And he thought for a second, and he said, pray for me, Mother Teresa. She said, well, what would you like me to pray for? He said, pray that I would get clarity for my life. I need clarity and peace. And she said, no, I refuse to. And he was kind of taken back, like, you've given your whole life to poverty, you've taken care of lepers, you've fought illnesses, you've done all these things. Surely, Mother Teresa, you have clarity. So she laughs and no, 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 my son, I have trust. Because you can never have clarity until you trust. Wow, man, that, that takes me back because life is messy. Marriage is messy. Raising kids is messy. Having a career is messy. Being in ministry is messy. There's nothing you're ever going to do in your life that there isn't some kind of mess in because the way we determine we're successful in life is what problems do we solve? 
we're, we're, we're put on this planet to be problem solvers. I was talking to someone on the phone earlier today, and I, or yesterday, I think it was, and, and we were talking last night about health because I'm really focusing on vitality. Man, I'm taking nothing less than double this year. If you, you want to settle and go backwards, that's up to you. But you're a pastor. I'm working on my health. I'm working on my growth, right? What, what is it? It's a year of uh, a supernatural leap, right? Supernatural leap in spiritual advancement through what? Growth and uh, clarity, growth, and vitality. So I'm not, I'm already beyond the clarity thing. I'm no longer begging and pleading for clarity. I, I've gotten over that. Why? Because I trust. I trust. And even in COVID 19, I'm going to find a way to have the income my family needs. I'm going to find a way to help provide any way I can for our church. I'm going to be in a situation where I'm continuing to grow spiritually, mentally, emotionally. I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue to grow in ministry and, and grow this church as best I can. It's not mine anyway. It's God's. I'm just here to serve him and to serve you. I'm just a steward. And I'm going to do my best to have vitality not less than double the health that I, I, I've already got to go of weight I want to lose and how I want to be healthy. Why is that? Because God spoke that word to me and it's real. And I believe it's real for you too. And what I want you to understand today is you don't have to settle for just enough. You don't have to settle for not enough. Never settle for less than what God has for you. And begin to understand everyone on this planet is here to be a problem solver. We're here, remember I talked to you last week in first century Palestine. Think about it. When Christ was there, everyone's, every spiritual person, their question, number one question was, when would the kingdom of God come? And Jesus explained to them and said, the kingdom of God is not only here, he's in you. He's not only near you, but he's in you. The kingdom is in you. He's trying to tell them the kingdom is here, but they couldn't see it. They wanted the Savior, but see Get this, this is where I'm talking about trust, guys. They wanted a Savior, right? They were thinking of the most famous and popular Hebrew ever, King David. They were looking for the second coming of King David and even a better David to defeat the Romans and to bring the wealth and the prosperity. But their perception of a Savior was wrong. They didn't grasp that this Savior's coming could give them freedom in their heart and freedom from their sins and no more burning sheep and goats and herding stuff like that, but you could have Jesus' spirit living in you. They didn't understand that he is our Savior and our healer, our deliverer and our soon coming king. They, they didn't understand that his government's greater than all the governments combined because he's the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and he was eating with them and praying with them and teaching them and walking with them and talking with them. Why did they not see him? But later, once they went through some stuff and they saw him die and then he was resurrected and then they started learning, I believe the experience, I know the experience was so much even, probably even more real to him because they're thinking about all those times what God was like with skin on. That's what Jesus was. God was skin on. I mean, you imagine that? Jesus having prayer requests and Jesus entertaining and Jesus praying and Jesus teaching you how to pray and and all that, and they saw the food multiplied. They saw all these miracles. This blows me away. And at that time, they were impressed, like, this guy could run the world for us. He, he could definitely defeat the Romans and get our land back and our government back and set it up for our children. But they didn't realize he was setting up an eternal government. He was the kingdom and is. So I want to ask you in the same light, it's easy for us, two thousand, a little over 2,000 years later, to criticize those guys. Wow, Jesus was there. The kingdom was there. You didn't get it, guys. But you got to realize, too, guys, the Father is here. He's right here. And if you're a believer, the, Father's, the Spirit of the Father is in your heart right now. Right now. How do you see the Father? You see, I really believe my boys trust me. And I, I see it on occasion when there's a real thing that they're kind of surprised that they could trust me with certain things. Why? Because I love them more than I love myself. Hmm. Kind of like a father. And I'm just an earthly father. Then I start thinking, if I love my boys more than I love myself, 
Now, it doesn't mean I let them do what they want, lay around. I'm disciplined. I'm on them, right? I'm pushing them. I'm cheering them, but I provoke them to good works and all that, just like my father does me. He doesn't want me lazy, incompetent, unequipped. He wants me prepared to be a problem solver. And not just a natural problem solver, but an eternal problem solver. And I think about, man, how much I love my boys that I wouldn't even have to question laying my life down for either one of them. Not even a thought. As a matter of fact, I'd do whatever I could to save their life, obviously. And that, given my life, would be a small thing. Why? Because they're my sons. If I love my boys that much, Look at how much the Heavenly Father loves me and loves you. You say, well, I don't know. I'm trying to grasp it. No, think about this, guys. It's what trust is about. He loves you and I so much, he gave his son for us. Wow. So how can I whine and whimper in difficult times and, you know, put my stuff on Facebook and jip into little, you know, critical parties that everybody's got going on right now? I wonder what God thinks about all that. I think God only cares about the things we care about that's important to him. He could take any king and put it in their heart. Well, I can't pray for the last president, and I can't pray for this president. I didn't agree with him. Wait, wait a minute, you're not praying for them. You're praying that the Spirit of the Father's heart, even if they're not saved, that the Spirit of the Father would be on them, that they would do what's right for us and for others. Don't get caught up in the blame game. You're wasting energy. You need to use your energy toward growth. Use your, use your energy toward getting clarity. Use your energy toward life, vitality, living, enjoying while you're here, solving problems for Daddy, for Papa. Man, Mother Teresa, how amazing. You don't need clarity. You just need trust. Because you'll never truly have clarity. You'll, you'll never be at a place on this planet where you don't have an ache, a pain, you know, a worry, a concern, something to laugh about, something to cry about. So, are you wanting to get out of here? Are you wanting to surrender? Are you wanting to give up? Are you wanting to run? Are you wanting to hide? Or you probably will hate this. Buckle up, little buckaroo. That's right. I know it's old. I know I say it cliche a lot, but I mean it because that's what I tell myself when I get whining and whimpering and complaining. Just, just get over it, Dalton. Buckle up, little buckaroo. It's not about you. It's about him and he that's in me and others. It's not about your dream. It's not about your goals. It's not about your vision. But you, you need dreams. You need goals. You need visions. You need plans. But remember, you're just a steward, not a performer. Not even really a doer. You're a truster. A truster. That's not even a word, but that's what we are. We shouldn't do or say anything without trusting the Father. And I think it's so significant that we realize how rare of, an, of, how rare of a commodity trust truly is. I think about Larry Mullaney, the story I opened with, and that when he saw his father trust him and loved him, it changed everything. He became a successful man. He'd done great things. He no longer had to wonder why what a loving father was all about to the point he even went into ministry the rest of his life. You know, Jesus, remember I shared with you last week out of John 14 that Jesus never asked his disciples to trust. He commanded them to. He said in John 14, 1, trust in God and trust in me. Trust in God and trust in me. Wow. Sometimes do you ever feel like the prodigal, prodigal even though you're born again? I think too many Christians live a prodigal existence. I serve you. I pray. 
I give my finances. I give my time. I give my talents. But where are you, Father? Why are you not moving in this little pin spot over here in my life? And why did you take care of that over there? And why did you let this happen? Why did it? Why do we, we act like a prodigal? What? Someone not connected. Like someone that's been banished away and eating our slop in the hog pen, right? Are you a prodigal Christian? Are you a prodigal son? Are you a prodigal daughter? I don't know. You know. If you trust your job more than him, you might be. If you trust a relationship with your spouse more than him, you might be. If you trust your children more than him, you might be. Hmm. Think about that. Who do you trust? So many times it's what do we trust? But he is the giver of all things. He is the answer to all things. Are you a prodigal child? Well, why don't you come home? Luke's gospel, <clears throat> Luke's gospel says uh, in Luke's gospel chapter 15, remember I read this to you a couple weeks ago. I wrote my name in here. Luke 15, 24 says, This son of mine, Marion, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And what's interesting, the prodigal, the true prodigal came home and realized his father, even though he gave him his inheritance and let him squander it, he brought him in as a son. Not a servant, not a slave, but a slave. Because he had said, I'll come back as a servant. I'll, I'll slop my father's hogs. I'll live with the servants. I, but no, he put a robe on him and gave him a signet ring, which means it gave him his wealth back. But remember when his other brother who was wealthy and in the father's house and had many great blessed things and already was set in place to, to be inherit everything, both his and his brothers, came in from the fields and was angry and upset and began to just talk badly to his father. You know, began to blame and accuse his brother. You know, maybe if we're blaming our fellow brothers and sisters, maybe we're a prodigal Christian. But, you know, it's real easy to fix that. All you have to do is come home. All you have to do is allow the Father to celebrate you and to love you and to serve you as you love him and serve him. That's what true love is all about. He tells us in Romans 8, you say, well, maybe I've done things. Maybe you've never came to God, or maybe you did and you've fallen away. And you're like, man, I, I don't know. How could this God love me? A guy like me, a woman like me, what goes on in my heart, my mind, or what I've done or have done or could do. But Romans 8 makes it clear. Makes it clear. 8, 37, it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who what loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, neither any powers, neither height nor depth, nor any else in all, anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Trust. Trust what he says. So when I stop thinking, pray, I stop thinking, and sometimes it takes me a little bit, but I just keep working. I just stop thinking about whatever it is that's troubling me or making me feel like a prodigal or disconnected or angry or a failure or weak or impotent. And then I take what the Father said about me because every scripture is inspired words from the Holy Spirit, right? No matter who wrote them, they're inspired words from the Holy Spirit. And I go, I'm more than a conqueror that even in these difficult times, I will come out some way better because of it. I will be more efficient. I will do better. I, I, will, I will better, not only be better, but I will be better for others because of it. What about this in Romans 8? 
on down. Well, that was Romans 8, 37. Let me read verses 1 and 2. It says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads from death. What is sin? Is sin the do's and the don'ts? You can smoke, you can't smoke. You know, you can jump rope, you don't jump rope, whatever it is. No, sin is separation from God. Sin is when I, you know, turn my back to him and do it my way. It's not just all written out with the Ten Commandments. It's much more than that. It's a matter of the heart because you've got the Spirit of the Son living inside you. Then it goes on to say, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin and death. It's the life-giving spirit that's in you. That's why I say it multiple times every time I speak. Greater is he who is in me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Because his spirit lives in me. And even when I don't measure up, his spirit lives in me and measures up for me. Hmm. Because, see, if we walk in fear and live in fear of not measuring up, not being loved, what happens? Romans 8.15 says in the, another translation, it says, For you have not received a, a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Wow. And it says in the NIV back there, in, I'd read it earlier in 1 John 4.18 and 19, There is no fear in love, but perfect love. What drives? It drives out fear because what fear has to do with punishment. Guys, People who are punishers punish themselves. If you, if you punish yourself, you'll punish others. If you're hard on yourself, you'll be hard on others. If you're mad at yourself, angry at yourself, you'll be angry with others. But if you grace yourself, you'll grace others. If you love yourself and love God, you'll love others. It's a life-giving spirit. All you have to do is come home. Whether you're a Christian and you're living a prodigal lifestyle, I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. If you die, I'm just saying you're missing heaven while you're here. You can have it here too, you know. Let me, let me end with a scripture here. I'll pick one out. Oh, here's, here's a great one. Hmm. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 in the message translation. God said this to me, always trust in me. Marion, Always, son, always trust in me. And then I found this scripture to confirm it. I love it in the message. I preached it a lot in the New King James, King James, NIV. But man, the message translation knocks it out of the park. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Huh? How's this? You know, people, some of our staff and everything, it's easy for us to get stressed. Well, how are we... Going to have church, what do you say, 50% of the auditorium? But what do you do with the children? And how do we get technology where we can have people in different parts of the building? I, listen, man, don't try to figure everything out. How, how am I going to pay my bills? What if this PPP loan don't come through? Or what if it extends another month, all this craziness, and I'm getting back to work too late, and I can't pay my rent or my house? But what, listen, 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 listen. Stop trying to figure it out. You, you know, the saying is you worry about 90% of the things you worry about never happen anyway. Why are you torturing yourself? Why are you condemning yourself? Why are, it's really punishment. Why are you punishing yourself? Because that's what the Bible says. If you feel punished, it's not God punishing you. It's you allowing fear to punish you. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. So what's this all about, guys? What's it all about? Simply knowing and trusting God. Stop trying to figure it out. Be loved just as you are. You belong just as you are. I want to pray for you now. I want to pray for believers that feel like a prodigal. Because, you know, that's what I do. Sometimes I'll start feeling that feeling coming on, and I have to stop. I have to think differently. Take my mind off being a victim and take my power back.
be a conqueror, actually more than a conqueror, to be great for God. Not that I'm known or I'm some spiritual giant. No, to be great, be great loving people, to be great caring for people, to be great healing people, to be great serving people. I don't always measure up, but it's my goal, not just to be good. Good is the enemy of great. Trusting God, even in messy times. Trusting God when my head's messed up and it doesn't add up what's going on in my life or to me or around me. But I can think on God what he says. He said no weapon formed against me can prosper unless I allow it to through fear. And then you that are far away from Christ or have never known him, you need to come home, you're backslidden. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's promise to no man. This is your time. This is your hour. This is your moment. I saw a loving uh, younger sister of a, a new member of our church gave her life to the Lord right online last week. And they'll put in there how you can text and let us know you came to Christ. We want to be there, serve you, support you, and uh, give you whatever it takes for you to make it. So I want to pray first for those far away from Christ or backslidden or never known him. Father, I just thank you right now. Just say these words with me. Father, forgive me of my sin, my mess, my anger, all of it. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that his spirit can live in me and be my Lord. Jesus, come live in my heart. Come and live in my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Wow. Is that hard? Man, it's a lot harder than you think, isn't it, until you're ready to do it. So right now, celebrate, man. You came home. It's time to party. It's time to party. How about you other guys that some, maybe you are a prodigal or maybe you feel like a prodigal or maybe just sometimes you feel like a prodigal. You know the way to overcome that? Reconnect through celebration instead of complaining. Reconnect through celebration instead of complaining. How about it? How about coming home today? How about being, it's awful. I can't imagine it's bad enough being the prodigal son while you're in the serving someone else's hogs and eating the hog slop and feeding their hogs. And that's what they were doing. And so obviously the father was wealthy, but he was a pig farmer, right? And, uh, but, but that's bad enough. But at least everybody knew. But then here he had a son, another son living in the mansion, in the kingdom of the father, in, in his authority, and still a prodigal. I think it kind of comes back to what Revelation says. The book of Revelation was this say where God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Hot, you know you're on fire. You know where you're at. Cold means I know where I need to be. Lukewarm, you just kind of feel comfortable. Kind of like that turtle, you know, in the hot water. It's warm and it gets hot and hot and hotter. Kind of like Bugs Bunny cartoon when I was a little kid. You know, he's a, they put him in a, a, a what are Elmer Fudd put him in a stew right out on, over a campfire, him in a big pot. He just was like, oh, it's a jacuzzi, it's water, it's warm. Then it got hot and he realized he had to get out of that pot. And there stood Elmer Fudd shaking with a rifle on him, right? But that's always Bugs Bunny escaped. Now, if Bugs Bunny could escape, what could you do with the spirit of the Father? I don't think there's any difficult times you can't escape. I don't think there's any difficult thing that you can't conquer and be more than a conqueror, but you got to come home. Even though you feel like you're home, you know you're not. Today, you just need to let go. Let go of any doubt and fear you have in your Father and trust Him. But I, I want to trust Him. I'm trying. I, well, that's kind of like the one Father that said, I want to have faith, but Father, help my unbelief. And Jesus did. Ask him to help your unbelief today. You know, you, you can't get free till you tell. Remember I told you last week, the lady in my life, she said, uh, tell the truth, you get some help. I've never forgotten that. That's one of those things. Like another friend told me that as Christian, Christian business leaders, we have an unfair advantage over the world, and we do. And I believe that if you, if you tell the truth, you get some help. And 
if you're gonna lie to anyone, don't lie to yourself. The most difficult people to counsel, to help, to encourage, to bring transformation in their lives is people that lie to themselves. Well, I didn't really insult them. I just said this. That's their problem. I, I didn't really. It's not my issue. That's God's issue. He said he did. No, 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 no. You're lying to yourself. How about it? Lay your sword down and, and receive the Spirit of God. I want to pray for you right now. Say this with me. Father, I'm coming home. I'm your prodigal. Even though I'm living in your home now, I'm coming home. Forgive me for my unbelief. You said in Hebrews that we couldn't even please you without faith, without trust. Help my unbelief. Help me to trust you. And to live through the spirit of your son in my heart and in my life. Not for me, but for others and for you. Thank you, Daddy. I receive it now. Home in my heart in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, man, but I, I feel pretty encouraged right now. I mean, there's times I'm jumping and bouncing around, and I don't know, it's just kind of wild. I feel like I'm just sitting in your home with you on your sofa, whatever, talking to you right now, and because I believe that uh, we're all open to hear, aren't we? We're open to hear what it takes to make a difference in difficult times. So make sure you, you know, let us know in the comments there about, uh, if you gave your life to Christ, just say Jesus, and they'll be getting a hold of you. Um, if you need any other prayer requests, let them know prayer and someone will get a hold of you. Uh, we'll help you any way we can. We want to be here for you. We want to serve you. Just like uh, our food ministries every Thursday night here, carrying you know boxes of groceries out to families and, and uh, sitting in cars. We're just here to serve you. We love you. But you know what? As much as we want to love you and try to love you and attempt to love you, we can't even scratch the surface of how much you are loved by Papa. So until next week, you just live and reign in, the pop, in our Papa's love and let him rise up in you to do for you what you can't do for yourself so you can be there for others. I love you. I'll see you next week.